Hello, this is John Lennon of the Beatles, and you're listening to the number one station in College Park, WMUC. He's wired in. Sorry? He's wired in. Is he? Yes. How about now? You're still wired in? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Happy Silly Week, everybody. It is January 28th, 2021. You guys hear the stuff going on with GameStop this week? GameStop stock going crazy up just to screw over the hedge funds. Uh, shout out r slash Wall Street Bets. Oh, man. By the way, I'm your host, Amir K. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, got my good friend Matt Herskovitz. Uh, he's an English and Gov double major, and he's a member of Terp Poets. And we're going to talk about some uh, poetry, some deep metaphysical stuff. Should be a great show today. Uh, but enough dilly dallying. Let's get right into the news of this week. News from the Diamondback. So, top story this week going on right now is we got, uh, it's not just GameStop, but that's the big stock going on right now is, so basically you had these uh, billionaire hedge funds uh, that were shorting the stock for GameStop, basically betting on it to fail, and uh, a bunch of uh, trolls and, you know, retail investors from r slash Wall Street Bets were like, you know what, no, let's expose how crazy this system is, and just started jacking up the price. GameStop to the moon, baby. But uh, then you had uh, apps like Robinhood saying, uh, you know what? No, you can't do this. You can't trade for GameStop. Um, and you had a lot of really funny uh, you know, Republicans and conservatives for the free market all being accidentally leftists. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, in other news, we all got an email from the university and the subject line was update on COVID vaccination. I open it up, I'm like, oh my god, let's go, we got some vaccines, and they're just emailing us to remind us that we uh, don't have any. Um, so, Maryland has moved into the state of phase 1C, so that's people 65 and older should be vaccinated. Um, so, we don't know what the timetable is for UMD just yet. And Maryland basketball uh, falls to Wisconsin, 55 to 61. Um, there's a whole article by Kevin McNulty on the website. Uh, how men's basketball might be faltering at home without fans, so be sure to check that out. Uh, but let's get right into our first music break right now. If you can guess the theme, remember you can tweet at BTW underscore WMUC, uh, and I will say good job. Um, just finished Attack on Titan season three. It's fire. Uh, stuff's going crazy right now. The story just took a crazy turn. Um, anyway, when we come back, we'll be with Matt Herskovitz. We're going to talk about some poetry. And uh, yeah, see you on the flip side. Fallen in 
Welcome back. You are listening to, by the way, with Amir K, 88.1 WMUC-FM. My next guest, he's an English and Gov double major junior. Uh, he's a member of Terp Poets, uh, Matthew Herskovitz. Hers- uh, how you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good, Amir. It's, uh, it's great to be here on the show with you. How are you doing? Today? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Um, thank you for having me. So you're part of Terp Poets. Um, yes. I'm assuming you're into poetry, right? I, is that a good thing to assume? A little bit. Yeah, that's a good thing to assume. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm in Terp Poets. Been there for a couple of years. Currently the vice president. Hey, let's go. Uh, so what got you first into, you know, the art of poetry? <laughs> you know, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, it probably started when I was in like, I want to say like, no, no, I know what it was. I always forget the answer, but I remembered it was listening to music. Uh, listening to music got me really into it because what, what often goes overlooked is that you know song is lyric there's a reason the word lyric exists right, right. and you know poetry was initially spoken uh, read and performed as song of course going back to like the way ancient times and then also like the Greeks um, and everything in between um, you know and it, it separates at a point but that's kind of where lyric comes from so um, lyric originally comes from poetry yeah yeah, because there's a yeah, there's a long tradition of lyric poetry is what it's called, uh, and lyric poetry is this really special thing. It's sort of like the the idea is that you you sort of go through you cross certain thresholds of lyric poetry. Uh, you know, it discovers things in and of itself. Um, so I think I really started getting into it just like listening to music and just you know getting excited about it. Um, and then as time went on, I got yeah. What kind of music were you listening to? Uh, <laughs> in middle school, it was uh, embarrassing stuff and not worth as far as I've come. In middle <laughs> school, I listened to a lot of Matchbox 20. Okay. <laughs> listening to, uh, but I've done better since then. And what really got me started, um, this is probably a little cliche, but what really got me into it was Bob Dylan in uh, high school, listening to Bob Dylan. He's my fraternity brother, fun fact. Uh, I, yeah. Sam, I, haha. Yeah, same alpha mu. Oh, but Bob um, Dylan, yeah. And Bob Dylan, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was listening to Bob Dylan. Uh, and he just does such such incredible things with the with the folk song tradition and the blues as well. Um, and rock. Uh, he's a he's a remarkable artist, but you know, that's where it really got me started was just paying attention to what Bob what Bob had to say. What Bob was saying. <laughs> yeah, what Bob was saying. Uh, so do you have a favorite type of poetry? I know we talked a little bit about lyric poetry, but do you have like a favorite type of genre? Do you have a least favorite type of genre? <laughs> I, 
<laughs> um, yeah, I'd say lyric poetry is probably my favorite. I think it's the most interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of elements that go on. There's always poetic devices, of course. You have your figurative language, you have your consonants, your assonance, there's imagery, there's sound, um, and meter as well. And all that sort of, all that stuff that makes it makes it fun and nice to listen to. And could you explain um, for the viewers uh, or the listeners what uh, meter is? I know we're trying to access our Shakespeare brains from high school, but. Uh. Right, yeah. So like Shakespeare wrote in iambic pentameter. So what does that mean? So the I am is a metrical foot and a foot is like the smallest breakdown you get. And I think there's like four of them. Are there that, No, there's, there's like, uh, there's, there might be five. I, I'm, I'm forgetting, but that's what a metrical foot is. Mm -hmm. um, so like we can think about a line from Shakespeare, like to be, you're not to be. So you kind of hear it when you say it that way, to, mm. to be, you're not to be, that is oh, the really? question. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the pentameter is penta five meter, there's five feet per line. Um, so the meter is really just sort of like marking that out if it's, um, you know, what that pattern is. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. <laughs> so we got, I have a pentameter, we got Shakespeare going on. Um, in, in terms of like slam poetry and you got like, uh, I'm trying to think of the anthologies that we had to do, you know, back in like fifth grade and stuff. Yeah. Um, of, of those, of those, you still, uh, you go with lyric poetry. Um, what, what are some of your other favorites that you like? Uh, I like lyric. Uh, there's, there's certain movements within lyric uh, that I pay attention to and those sort of go through like as time goes on. So like, I'm sure you're familiar with like the the romantic the capital R romantics you have uh like Keats you got Wordsworth Dunn those are big names um there's other people in there too uh you know so within that movement you know my, my or then that 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 breakdown there my favorite's deep image uh poetry okay. came after the imagists uh but other poetry that exists there's confessional there's slam poetry um those are the big ones mm -hmm. uh, and there's more as well but those are probably the biggest breakdown most of what you'll study is lyric gotcha so in your opinion do you think that poetry is something that is more read or it should be you know spoken aloud that's a great question actually um and uh is, is that like the question or is it no it's not the <laughs> no, question but it's a big question um, because again, poetry was originally performed, right? Because mm -hmm. we spoke before we wrote things down. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, more so than that, what speaking out loud does is it really captures all the sonic qualities as well as tone. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, you know, you can also think of more familiar musical qualities like, um, like rests. Right. um so the yeah so like what like that like the 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 time you take between you know inflections as well are important so speaking it adds a different kind of layer to it however speaking it also sort of removes lineation so it's one that has to be studied both you know like reading it in your head on the page right. and hearing it out loud you get just the full swath of yeah because sometimes, I mean, people, you know, they they organize the poetry in a way that's meant to be read as well, you know, like with stanza and paragraphs and mm -hmm. writing an essay as well. So organization. Exactly. Yeah, you got to pay attention to, to everything. The poem is the form is what we say. 
Yeah. And you brought up uh, music. Um, and I wanted to ask the romantic period of poetry, does that coincide with the romantic period of music and uh, like, you know, uh, painting and art? Or is it kind of like a different time? Uh, I'd say it's the, I think it's the same thing. Cause that was, that was when everyone was, when did they, that was like after the enlightenment, I think in Europe and they were all, they all just sort of like realized uh, they got they into emo like, as hell. <laughs> they got emo as hell. Yeah. They were like, they were kooky dudes too. Those guys, they, they were, those are weirdos, man. And they were, um, <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh yeah, we have like emotions and like, there's this like spirit world around us, mm-hmm. but where they, where they, where they <laughs> up, Amir, where, world. <laughs> where they up is they forget that mind and body are as one. There's, they're not separate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my um, bone to pick. That was, those uh, yeah, I played piano and that was always my favorite uh, period of time. Cause you know, <laughs> Went from Baroque to classical, it's kind of, you know, just complex. Let's make it as complex as possible. Um, let's throw in as many notes in there as possible. Uh, was there something similar like that in poetry before the Romantic period? Like they're trying to throw in as many different words in there as possible and just flex on each other or? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, uh, the Romantic era, it was a big shift, like thematically, especially in what was going on. So, you know, before that, um, in English, I'm trying to think who the big people would be. It would be like uh, like Milton. Uh, he wrote Paradise Lost. Um, it'd be like Milton Shakespeare, um, like Sir, like uh, what's his name, Wyatt, and like Philip Sidney and like Edmund Spencer are all like really old like English people, um, and they wrote a lot about religion. Is what they were writing about mm. for the most part. Or not Shakespeare, well, Shakespeare, yeah, but Shakespeare, they were right. There's yeah. a lot of religion going on. Um, so like Milton writes Paradise Lost. And if they're not specifically religion, they're alluding to religion all the time. Yeah, there's so much just based in religion. It's, man, those guys went crazy <laughs> over that stuff. They couldn't get enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, they were writing um, Jesus is King after like a Beowulf. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing, actually, I can tell you about. Yeah. The switch from uh, that sort of like that Anglo-Saxon tradition into into a Christian tradition is really interesting because Beowulf's a poem; it's an epic poem, right? right? And Beowulf is, you know, it, it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nothing nothing to write home about. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine, you know. We're better for it, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> um, so what happens is like you have like um, Christian missionaries start coming over and they're like, like all about it, but they have to find <laughs> a way to sort of like reconcile between um, the Anglo-Saxon tradition and they're trying to inject some Jesus in there. <laughs> yeah. And you get these really, no, like exactly what it is and you get these really interesting combinations. Um, so like something that comes out of Beowulf is like, there's this really weird part. I, I had the Tolkien translation when okay. I first read it in high school. And Tolkien uh, has, it translates this one line towards the end. And it basically implies that because like Beowulf like found that like gold hoard, um, he was like, that hoard was cursed and he was going to go to hell. And I was really confused by that. And I asked my teacher and she didn't know. And then I asked my professor 
two years later and he had some answers for me and he was like what well, I, I mean I don't know. you know so he kind of explained it as that as that you know change in tradition um but yeah you had some weird stuff with like like murder warriors like fighting for the glory of god and like um you know just stuff like that um so what makes a poem i've always had this question what makes yeah. a regular poem into an epic poem you know like what where's the line that's that's drawn there no that's a great question an epic poem uh so like an epic well like it's epic right it's epic (laughs) in scale right like like here's a good way to think about it like like so game of thrones as a book is called like a song of ice and fire right 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 so like canonically Uh, if we imagine that we're in like game of this is probably a terrible explanation yeah you're you're gonna have to finish it (laughs) oh okay so basically an epic poem it has to do with like scope and cultural significance so beowulf is an epic poem because it's very long yes but there's lots of long poems it's it's a cultural narrative is what it is same way the odyssey and like the epic of gilgamesh it has to do with what it captures in a culture uh and also the tradition of it and the tradition that it is like exists in gotcha so it's not just like homer sits down and he's like i'm gonna make an epic poem today like it's yeah historical significance like over time it does low-key that's what milton did but like he did a good job so we remember (laughs) um yeah yeah, i know uh i think i'm I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that the longest epic, epic poem is the Shahnameh, the King's poem. I'm not familiar Iran. with that. Um, that's from Ferdowsi. Uh, there's a there's a long uh, history of poetry and in Farsi and stuff. Um, but uh, we got to take a break first. Um, you're listening to WMUC FM. We'll be right back with Matt Herskovitz, and uh, stay tuned. Harry doesn't mind. 
with the sultans with the sultans of swing that many sexually transmitted infections are asymptomatic? Getting tested is the safest way to know whether or not you are carrying an infection. Visit the University Health Center to see many doctors who specialize in sexual health or stop by the student-run sexual health awareness group, SHARE. SHARE provides sexual health information to students across campus and promotes healthy sexual choices. Stop in the Health Center or visit health.umd.edu for more information. Welcome back. We're with Matt Herskovitz. 
you're on WMUC or on Spotify or on Breaker if you're into that. Um, so we we're just talking off the air a little bit. And uh, I was watching a YouTube video that my friend put on for me. Um, and it was talking about the sublime. Um, could you kind of explain that for the viewers and what the concept of sublime is? Right. So the sublime is a really important concept. Um, and this comes out again during the, the romantic eras where you have a real, you have a real like big explosion of, uh, of, of this sort of innovation. And I'm talking mostly just English poetry for, right. for everything I'm discussing is, is English poetry. Um, uh, and the sublime is a really, really remarkable concept. When you think of the word itself, it's, it's some, you can only almost explain it in, in religious terms. It's some like higher holiness. You can't, there's no word for it. And that's, that's kind of where it's remarkable. It's like a level above beauty. Yeah, it's it, it it's like it's the yeah. Imagine it's see it's it's hard to find a metaphor for it. Like imagine like a pinprick in the sky, and that you know the light fading in. You could point at that and say, "Oh yeah, that's that's beautiful." And imagine if you tore a hole mm. and you stuck your head in, oh. and it you there's no. Uh, this is where language breaks, and yeah. you have nothing to say, nothing and what you right. find is sublimity, and that's a feeling. Sublimity. Right. I'm gonna start using that word in my yeah sublimity. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what you find there is sublimity. So like you know, you know, you watch like a sunset over the ocean on top of a hill with like the love of your life next to you, and like <laughs> life is good, right? And it's like the wind's just right, and like there's a ship out to shore crossing the horizon, and everything is just the right. <laughs> orange to what blue. what i expect the world will look like after covid like <laughs> yeah that's the sublime so what what are what poets tried to do is they tried to to capture that because art what art does what all art does is it communicates some kind of truth to you mm -hmm. right uh you make art art by looking at it right and but it has the power over you it so you think that do you think that art is intrinsically uh you know it has a meaning or do you think the the people viewing the art reading the art digesting it do you think they give it the meaning i think art has the meaning i think art has to have the meaning mm -hmm. um and i think it tells you something and I, here here's 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 why i think that okay uh so we're speaking in a language right now right yeah <laughs> and, but we only have so many words right like we we just both struggle to define sublime because it's a really undefinable term yeah uh art covers that breakdown that's what makes wow. good art is when it says what you can't mm. um that's i think that's why it exists that's my that's my uh theory wow, that's, about that's why a we good have way art. to think about it um going Thank back you. to the sublime in the the video i was watching the way that uh he described it also was uh a little hint not like a lot but a little hint of fear it's like uh it's seeing like yeah you're saying like it's seeing like the vast ocean and it's like oh my god like and you're a little bit scared of it it's like it's like what you were saying religiosity like if you saw god <laughs> you'd be a little scared <laughs> yeah you'd be a little scared um doesn't mean it's like scary it's not like uh yeah it's just the immensity of it you know like uh you know, like as, as humans, you know, I don't like thinking that we're separate from nature because we're not like, 
the thing that 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 you could say does separate humans is that we can like we can consciously create a worldview. We can order through that, right? But you know we have our own limits, uh, and it's hard to understand what that means because you know we have to exist in that mode. We can't look outside of it. And I think the sublimity of I think this the sublimity <laughs> you can face. Um, the sublimity you can face just like throws your head into that and there's just nothing your brain can do. Um, and that's where the fear is, I think, is that everything you have, everything you are has failed to, to make this make sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, language is crazy. There's so many other, like, it really affects the way you think. I mean, there's, there's cultures, I believe in uh, Polynesia that they, instead of saying right or left, they'll just, tell you the cardinal direction i've heard about that yeah so if you're like instead of saying can you give me that uh thing on your right can you give me that cup on your right they'll be like can you give me that cup southeast <laughs> yeah and it's so it's so remarkable um is it because and, and language is so ancient too you know and it just goes it just yeah. evolves and we go with it and and you know and, and t it speaks to their culture as well right it's our, yeah, our culture of right left it's all about what it is to me and we have right. a communication breakdown as something as simple as if i'm sitting across the room from you right your right is completely different from my right like it's a it's a hard way of communicating right no 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah language reflects culture just as well as culture reflects language um and it all you know language is a tool and we build tools, you know, to our needs. You know, we wouldn't have forks if we did, if our fingers were a little sharper, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You um, know, but language gets away from us and we from it, we just go together. Yeah. Uh, so who is your favorite poet? My favorite poet? Uh, my favorite <laughs> poet is a guy named James Wright. Uh, he's an American poet from Ohio and lived in minnesota hey shout time. out ohio baby let's go <laughs> yeah no for real he made me appreciate that he made me actually like realize that's a real place uh, i just know people... you personally you have so much beef with this he's, you're he's made me erase that entirely <laughs> here. let me tell you I, I had to look that in the face damn so like do you know where he's from i'm gonna if do you know where he's from in ohio I'm gonna look i believe it's martin's ferry I was about to yeah. say, because if he was from Cleveland or something, then you got the rivalry with the Ravens and Edgar Allen. The Ravens, <laughs> yeah, man. I couldn't, I couldn't help but be happy for the Browns. They needed that. One. <laughs> I thought they almost they had, had to in that game. I thought they had them, man. Uh, anyway. I was ready for the AFC <laughs> Championship game. And were there I, any, uh, were there any beefs between poets back in the day? Oh, I'm sure. I saw a drunk history that was like Edgar Allan Poe and someone else had some. Yeah, well, Edgar Allan Poe was also a nut job, right? <laughs> like right. that guy, he was, yeah, because American romanticism was weird uh, because America's just a godforsaken place. Just doing our own thing, baby. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, because he, there was two things. There was Ralph Waldo Emerson who was like, mm -hmm. Yeah, the world is just like cool. If you go into nature, you'll just find tranquility, get away from like like the people. And that was like transcendentalism. And then Poe was like, you got this all wrong, Ralph. He was <laughs> like, the world is a nasty place. And the only thing that exists is chaos. But then he made chaos into a negative thing as opposed to the neutral that I would argue it really is. Mm. So Poe's kind of a kind of a downer. <laughs> 
do all but uh do all poets like across the country you think they're all ravens fans just because just i would hope so yeah i sure hope so man i I love that team (laughs) (laughs) you got lucky you got lucky that you could be a fan of the ravens (laughs) yeah i could have been born in pittsburgh or something (laughs) some terrible place (laughs) oh man um yeah, so we got Edgar Allan Poe, we got James Wright. Um, you you didn't tell me yet who what your uh, least favorite genre of poetry was. <laughs> oh, uh, least favorite? It's hard to say. Um, confessional poetry is—I haven't experienced too much of it, but just as a concept, I don't care much for it. Uh, and what is that exactly? It's not where my interests yeah. lie. So, confessional poetry is basically just like you literally just write what like is going on. So like I could write a I could write a poem about this podcast here and like I'm not looking for anything I'm trying to tell you something mm. and it's more a challenge of like what does poetry mean which is like it's it's a good thing to challenge but is it fun to read I don't know I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. then you got your Rupi Cowers nothing wrong with them I think they do important work uh, but it's not terribly appealing to me. I don't think there's much to study there. The the Rupi Cowers? Did you explain that? Yeah, I've, it's probably unfair of me to all lump them under like her example. She's just the only one I can name. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like your your poems that come out now. The book like looks really nice, like feels good in your hand, and there's like cute little like ink drawings next to like gotcha. four line poems that are one sentence long. I'm feeling the energy, yeah, coming from it. <laughs> yeah, no, like there's nothing wrong with it. Some people hate it. I think that's unfair. Um, I'm just like they're they're good. They're fine. You know, it's it's a poem. It does what a poem does. I just don't think there's much to study. I think they're very much a commodity, but I don't think there's anything horribly wrong with it existing. When we were talking about uh, language earlier, it actually reminded me of there's a Star Trek: The Next Generation episode where they encountered a species of people who communicated telepathically. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have any spoken language at all either. They were just like show you an image of like what they wanted to show um and then it was really interesting because one of the characters decided that she wanted to you know learn poetry and she couldn't understand it uh so it's it's kind of the the message of that was the limitations that we do have that we were talking about um they can still create something beautiful and uh, absolutely yeah poetry is an interrogation of the language no matter a good poem interrogates the language right Ooh, I, like um, <laughs> I can talk yeah I don't know how close we are to the break I can tell you a little bit more we got about a minute that. we got one minute <laughs> I can't do it in a minute okay okay so I think we'll take our second break here <laughs> um, we're gonna listen to some queens of the stone ages and uh, yeah we'll be right back with that
tardes, señoras y señoritas. Aquí está el DJ Héctor Bonifacio Echeverría Cervantes de la Cruz Arroyo Rojas. Esta es la radio que sacó a toda la estación donde el rock vive y no muere. Vamos a escuchar un par de temas de Queens of the Stone Age. Primero vamos a escuchar First It Give It. Qué música impresionante, temible y verdaderamente ahora. Van a ver, a ver, a ver, aquí va, aquí va, aquí va. Welcome back. You are listening to By The Way with Amir K. And I'm with Matt Herskovitz. Okay. Oh, bars. <laughs> um, so, Matt, we played I Want to Break Free by Queen. We played Sultans of Swing by Dire yeah. Straits. And uh, No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age. Um, could, you, could you get the pick up on the clue at all? Or? Uh, man, uh, I can't say I, can't say I could. What was it? Fine, that's fine. The street continues. Um, you know, royalty. It was uh, we had a song by Queen and then Sultans of Swing and then we had Queens of the Queen again. Yeah, we double dipped there on Queen, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a theme. Everyone playing theme. along at home. Yeah. Um, so right before the break, you mentioned the interrogation of the language. That sounds like a fantastic action movie. Um, would you care to explain what exactly you mean by that? Absolutely. So I think there's two directions you can go when you look at it. Uh, I think one's a little more romantic in terms of like, uh, I don't want to say metaphysics, but it's in terms of like more more of a, a natural sense of like human beings in relation to nature and history that we have forgotten. Uh, but I think it remains innate in, in everyone and also very much in the language. That's how you find it again. And the other sense is very politically. Uh, in terms of how words are used and what they mean. Um, and there's probably, you know, there's probably a lot more overlap between the two than I'm making it out to seem, but that's the way I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, as far as that, as far as both goes, there was, I mentioned this before, there was in the 60s and the 70s, a movement called Deep Image Poetry, which I think is really interesting. It was started by this guy, Robert Bly, um, and he had a buddy named James Wright, who I like more. Than. <laughs> James Wright <laughs> appears again. <laughs> yeah, he's back. So these two really spearheaded it. And what Robert Bly described, so there's no real like work to kind of Bible the movement in. You have to find it through through the poems and through things that they've said. They don't have like a work like the Imagists. And Robert Bly sort of described the deep image. He thinks it's a bad name because he describes it as a movement which delivers something, some heat to your soul is what he calls it. And what that means in terms of interrogating the language is they'll introduce- just, I'm just thinking of like, in a, like a dungeon, like waterboarding no, 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 no. the language. Keep that in your mind. Like, yeah, like 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 you're trying to make it remember. So you're trying to get yeah. it to tell you something. So Give us the like, information. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just like trying to get the plans out of, like the Death Star <laughs> out of this guy. You're shaking him by the, the shoulders. Um, yeah, so what you do is you, you, you'll begin with like a bizarre kind of image, which sets two things in, in a way that's really not quite familiar, but it's, it's about feeling because it, it rides on things you cannot say. Um, and as you go through this poem, more and more of that begins to build from this one sort of kickoff image, which sparks your imagination to these other more tangibles that blend and go in and out. Um, of each other and you finally get to the end of the poem and it just it hits you with a line and 
you can't quite explain what it is, but you know it worked mm -hmm. and it, it tells you something and you can break it down individual pieces at a time and you can figure out what that means. But the motion of the poem is very much the form and it's something you experience more than you can say. That's how you interrogate the language, how you learn. That's how you interrogate. All right, outro music. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice bow on it. That's cool. Deep image, deep image poetry, interrogating the language. Mm -hmm. yeah. Got a lot of thesaurus material for my papers coming up. <laughs> yeah, anytime, man. Stop by the writing center. I got you there too. Oh, man. Hey, shout out the writing center. Out the right? writing you guys center. are the real ones, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. We take good care of you. Uh, speaking of the writing center, uh, this is a terrible segue, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, because we had the inauguration a couple weeks ago, yeah. and uh, this nice young woman, Amanda Gorman, uh, gave a pretty good poetry reading there, uh, and she was described as a national, uh, let me make this right, national yeah. youth poet laureate. Yes. Um, I don't know where you want to tackle this. Uh, can I ask you first, like what a laureate is? Like, <laughs> how yeah, do you so, a laureate? <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know what the word itself means. It's, a, it's I almost said Italian, it's Latin. <laughs> um, uh, and basically a poet laureate is like the, <laughs> it's like the the coolest one, like the the, the coolest one at the moment. So like, gotcha. uh, like Wordsworth was the poet laureate of um, England for a while. Um, a while he he outlived all the romantics they all died when they were like 20 or 40 um, yeah. yeah rip yeah yeah uh, so a poet laureate is just like the big ones like maryland has the state poet laureate he used to teach here his name was stanley plumley fantastic poet if you can ever read anything by him please do mm -hmm. uh, he passed away last year um but so you know there's different levels for it it's it's think of it as like a a living embodiment of tradition at the moment they're picked Sort of. it's like yeah. the tradition of or it's like the oral tradition like yeah of, of the art yes who, who picks the laureate is it like the the, the cardinals or, i don't know no i actually <laughs> have no idea yeah it's the yeah they said uh in annapolis there's a you know blue smoke or whatever coming out of the <laughs> blue smoke. yeah no i actually have no idea how they pick one mm. um looking up the national youth poet laureate she was the first national youth poet laureate um that's that's pretty cool yeah um, no absolutely she's fantastic she was i can't find this wikipedia article is really badly organized um <laughs> oh that's cool so uh you have the national youth poet laureate you have the national poet laureate you got one for every state too i didn't even know that yeah um, what kind of do you know like what kind of things that they do as the laureate like do they go i mean obviously like they speak at the inauguration stuff like Right. Um, I, I think it has a lot to do with like formality, stuff like that. And I'm sure there's also some endowments involved. Um, but again, aside from that, I'm really not quite sure. Uh, you know, it's it's a very ancient thing, you know, um, going back quite a while. Uh, and anything I can think to compare it to, I also don't, don't know a whole lot about, unfortunately, but it's certainly incredibly prestigious. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of clout that comes with that. You know, you're you're very influential to to whatever movement you're a part of at that point. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about Terp poets. Yes. Um, what do you guys do? How can people join? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, we're a club uh, on campus. We've been around for quite a while now. Uh, we have meetings once a week. They were 
Mondays at eight. Now they're going to be Wednesdays at eight. Uh, we have a Zoom room. You can find it. Um, find oh, damn. So did you just come from that meeting before we started recording this? We, no, we actually had a board meeting before it. Though, okay. that I think. <laughs> That's um, funny. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what we do is every week we'll have a prompt. We'll write. Uh, we'll talk about. We'll share if, if you want to. Um, and we really try and create uh, as as safe a space as, as we can create. Um, you know, poetry is a lot about personal truths. I've been speaking a lot about sort of higher, higher, ide- I'm in air quotes, higher ideals, but, you know, that's different for every single person, right? Um, so, you know, no matter what, a poem comes from you and it speaks to you, the poet, um, and you have to respect that. So we, 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 we create a safe space. Uh, all art is welcome, though we do focus mainly in poetry. Um, so if you're interested, any experience levels are welcome. Come by, we'll have a little icebreaker, a little prompt, readings. Every now and again, we'll have some uh, open mics and we do some other events too. Check us out on Instagram, it's probably where we're most active. Uh, and if you find me anywhere, you can DM me and ask me questions and I'll be happy <laughs> to answer you also. Is that Terp Poets? Is, is that uh, just, just me for S's and giggles? Uh, do you guys, <laughs> is it one word? Is it, is it Terp Poets? It's one word. Poets? It's one word. And no, that's a good question because it's really hard to say. Um, it's one word. Ter poets. There's only one P. Oh, there is only one P. Okay. One P, yeah. At Ter Poets. Check us out. Uh yeah, future laureates are coming up, coming up from there. I sure um, hope so. <laughs> um and what do you think? Like, I know like it comes from, you know, personal experience, usually these poems, but uh, roughly like are people writing about the state of the country like what is what is kind of the major themes that are going on right now in the in the poetry world <laughs> I'd say a lot of what's going on and this is a very good thing is you're getting a lot of voices that uh, have not traditionally had that space a lot of if not every poet I, I've mentioned tonight has been white uh, if not also a dude um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like other people weren't writing poetry, they were, and there were massive contributions during those times from those people. But what's what's happening now is is long overdue. Um, and it's these, you know, traditionally marginalized communities in America beginning to take this uh, art form um, and use it for themselves. And again, I say, I say beginning, it's been happening for a while, but it's, it's getting more attention uh, now. Um, so in terms of whether or not it's political, uh, I don't know if that's fair for me to say, but, you know, they're certainly discussing a lot of, um, you know, things that, that occur in their life, um, you know, and, uh, I am someone who does believe, I think at every level, something, everything is, is political one way or another. Um, but, you know, there's, there's more than just that to, to get from them, you know, there's a lot that these poets offer. Um, a lot of beautiful works. Uh, the first name that just came to my mind, Jericho Brown, he's incredible, a uh, great poet. Um, he invented a new form, the duplex. Um, it's a wonderful form. Can you explain um, that or we got a couple minutes left. Can you yeah, I can do that real quick. So the yeah. duplex, uh, from what I remember, it takes elements, it's 14 lines. It takes elements of the sonnet and it takes, uh, it, it's a heavy couplet thing and it has a lot of, couplets are two line verses two line stanzas, coupling, um, or it's just two lines, but he, he writes them as, as their own stanzas. So, um, 
and there's a lot of repetition between the lines and it evolves as a structure. Imagine it like a coin flipping, but the face changes every time you recognize it and it comes to the beginning again. Uh, it's, it's different. Um, he's incredible, but there's, there's, there's so many other poets uh, you can look at so much to, to learn from them. They are, they are, uh, the, I, you know, it's hard to, yeah, there's no one word for yeah. it. It, it's it's an interrogation of language. There's no one way. Interrogate right? the language. We've gone full circle, baby. Let's go. We're just trying to figure this damn thing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, bet. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. I had a really good time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. This was uh this was really fun. Yeah. Do you got a um? Do you got like a poem that you want to read or throw out to the viewership or something? Yeah, absolutely. I will pick my favorite poem ever of all time at the moment. Let's go. Um, this is a uh, this is lying in a hammock at a William Duffy's farm in Pine Island, Minnesota. That's okay. Okay. By James Wright. You should throw that. I had the improv people a couple of weeks ago. Throw that at him as a. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's 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 good. Uh, yeah, I'll, we'll we'll see what see if they come up with something uh, uh, half as good as this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Over my head, I see the bronze butterfly asleep on the black trunk, blowing like a leaf in green shadow. Down the ravine behind the empty house, the cowbells follow one another into the distances of the afternoon. To my right, in a field of sunlight between two pines, the droppings of last year's horses blaze up into golden stones. I lean back as the evening darkens and comes on. A chicken hawk floats over, looking for home. I have wasted my life. Wow. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It's James I can, Wright. I can see why James Wright's your favorite poet. <laughs> yeah that guy goes crazy uh all right well we got to get out of here <laughs> you're gonna kick us right, out yeah, <laughs> like That's, like we're in a physical yeah. space uh um, yeah <laughs> matt where can people find you on social media uh you can find me uh i think it's m her at m herskovitz and if it's not at m herskovitz it's at md herskovitz uh, <laughs> follow my twitter i'm really funny uh <laughs> yeah yeah follow turp poets also um 1P. <laughs> 1P. Uh, and also be sure to follow the show on Spotify. It's about to drop right after this airs in WMUC. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Thursday, a great weekend. And I'll see you guys next Thursday, same time, 4 p.m. WMUC FM. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Steal the declaration. Well, this gentleman, the people, the WMUC, 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 the W